0: In the name of one God, Creator, redeemer, sanctifier, and friend. Amen. Our readings this morning, as is frequently the case, are full of contrast. In Deuteronomy, we read the words of Moses to the people, Surely this great nation is a wise and discerning people. For what other great nation has a God so near to it, as the Lord our God is whenever we call to him. And what other great nation has statutes and ordinances as just, as this entire law that I am setting before you today? Jesus' interactions in the gospel are a serious confrontation and point out how far the community has wandered from the time of Moses, from the original receiving of the law and its intent to help guide lives and help them to continue to be mindful of God at the center of their hearts, their lives, their community. But here the scribes and the Pharisees and some scribes are confronted Jesus is clear as he gathers the crowd and levels very serious charges against those who are confronting him and his disciples about the observance of the customs and practices that have become accretions, if you will, in the community. They are not essential to the law, but accretions, additions. And based on this rather serious list of sins, we can conclude that Jesus was really calling the leaders out, as we might say, naming their hypocrisy. The list is daunting. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. It's that hypocrisy, the living the double standard. I must say, sin is not one of my favorite topics, but it is alive and well. And in fact, I usually avoid talking about sin. I'm not very good at talking about sin. And I'm I'm reminded of a story uh, that a friend of mine told me. Uh, She's uh, a woman from England. She lives there now. And she remembers that her parents decided she needed to go to a local Catholic school. And so at the right age of seven, she's plunked into the classroom, uh, school that school had already started. Uh, the sister was in full bore teaching and asking the children questions. So she says to the class, the teacher, what is sin? As my friend recounts it, she said she'd never even heard of sin, much less venial or mortal. And so there she is, this poor child trembling. When the teacher says, Helen, Tell the class what sin is. Well, as Heather continues to, to this day, she had no idea what sin was. I thought, well, how refreshing. But when you're seven, it's okay not to know what sin is. At this point in our lives, I'm afraid we're all too familiar with it. And I wonder about the, book, the, the definition of sin. Uh, I won't ask any of you to stand up and give a definition of sin. You might be relieved to know that. But I will refer you to the Book of Common Prayer on page 848 where we read that what is sin? Sin is the seeking of our own will instead of the will of God, thus distorting our relationship with God, with other people, and with all creation. The distortion of relationship. Moses said to the people Be mindful that God, your God, is with you. You have been given this gift of the law, the commandments, and it will guide your life, and it will help you to focus and to be centered. And when you are centered in God, you can move out in freedom and with courage. And Jesus is pointing out in the gospel that hypocrisy erodes the center and leads to what we call disintegration. We spend our lives trying to be more integrated, more whole, more focused. But hypocrisy erodes that. Our human need is for ordering community to know that there are some guidelines, that we can count on one another not to run a red light. We can count on one another not to steal. We can count on one another because we are seeking to live this kind of life. We are seeking to care for the orphan and the widow, as as James reminds us. That is true religion, that we act out in freedom and courage and love, because we're grounded, grounded in God. We need this kind of order in our community. Otherwise, of course, chaos would ensue, and we've seen plenty of that. We need to be able to trust one another, and we've seen lots of. Examples, sadly, but from time to time we cannot trust there is hypocrisy. So part of being a grown-up, I guess, which I resist heartily, is recognizing that things aren't always as they seem. And Jesus really called it out. So To the Pharisees and to some of the scribes and to the community, it seems they misinterpreted what was important to God. You know, sometimes we think we know what's important to God, and they decided that having clean hands was the most important thing, not whether they were hungry or not, but whether or not you had clean. Hands. How do we live that out in our lives? Do we have those little demigods, if you will, in our lives that, oh, if we don't do it that way, it's not going to be pleasing? How do we live? How do we have order and yet freedom and courage? And the answer would really be is being centered in God. The actions named by Jesus indicate hearts that have turned from God. It is our turning to God to continually discover our center that is at the heart of the gospel. You know, saints, we like to think about saints, we think they're so wonderful and perfect, and they are, but you know, it was hard to get there. Yesterday we remembered in our calendar Augustine Tippo. Now many of you know the story of Augustine Tippo, who became one of the great, if not the greatest, Western theologian, Western Christian theologian, in the fourth century. But he had sort of a rocky beginning, one could say. Now I don't want to scare the Monahan family. But Augustine went off to school, and he really sowed his wild oats. And his poor mother, she was on her knees—well, I guess they would kneel in those days—but she was on her knees praying for his son, because she also had had a few battles with imperfection. I could say there's a charming piece in the Confessions uh, where it's reported that Monica told her son Augustine, who then shared it with the world. You know how kids are. that when she was a young woman in her own home, they had a wine cellar, and one of her jobs was to bring the wine up to the table for dinner. Well, uh, she discovered all too quickly how good that wine was. And she found herself really loving to go down to the wine cellar. i recognized, it was a Christian family, she grew up in but that was Probably not the best. And was able to find her center again. So she knew continual prayer for her son would bring him to his center. And we know he was converted to Christianity, baptized by Bishop Milan Elmrose in the year, I think, three eighty-seven, and began to live this more centered life—a life. A life where he went deeply, deeply, deeply into the mystery of God, into the mystery of God's law. How it is we can live that. It's written in And so it is the turning to God that transformed his life, transformed his father's life, and a continual turning is what transforms our lives. The spirit of God is to permeate our actions, that's what James is saying. True religion flows from your center into everything that you do. And so this morning, let's reflect on: Do we have some little demigods? You know, me, I don't think there's anybody licentious around here. But let's go with avarice, maybe a little greed. I'm certainly guilty of a few of those sins, not too of a degree, I hope. But, you know, we, it's a continual process of conversion. And Jesus is reminding his hearers that that's part of, don't get caught in hypocrisy. Continually turn to the one who calls us by name. Amen.